Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. We're going to head over to Southeast Houston. Dell, how are you? I'm doing just good. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. Uh, I've got two single garage doors uh, in a one-story uh, building, and I need to put some insulation in them. And I've been looking, and there's quite a few different avenues of approach. So I thought I'd give you a query and find out what would be the best approach. Okay. Uh, metal doors? Yes. And, and it's, it's just a regular roll-up. It's not a roll-up. It's a regular, like a regular garage-type door, the correct? Panel, paneled garage door, right. Okay. Direct sun? Correct. In the morning, it's direct sun. Okay. What I would yeah, use... It doesn't matter whether it's morning or not. It's still hot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I would use is would be a radiant barrier, not, not insulation on it. Uh, they make a bubble wrap type radiant barrier. Right. And you can and you can pick it up at the box stores. I know Home Depot has it. Uh, and you cut it to fit. If you look at those metal panels, you know, you got the outside and then it turns and comes in towards the garage and then it has a lip that drops down. Correct. That's about half inch or three quarters of an inch thick. You can take that bubble wrap and just use some small um, metal screws and screw right through the bubble wrap into that lip so that that piece of bubble wrap holds on there, and that'll drop right. that temperature tremendously. Usually it'll drop it like 10 degrees to 15 degrees in the garage. What kind of R value would I get out of that? No R value. It's it's strictly a resist. It's it's an E value like Windows has that right. just blocks the heat instead. R value is the value that it's how long it's going to take for the heat to go through. An E value is how much of the heat it actually blocks. And here's, here's a reason I, I prefer the radiant barrier on this situation you have versus insulation. On a little piece of foam insulation that would fit in those door panels, you're typically going to get no more than an R6, which is very low. When you consider a, a wall has R13 and an attic has R, R39, well, that radiant barrier will block typically 96, 97% of the heat from ever coming through it. So you're only allowing 3% in. That's what right. makes a huge difference. And uh, my, on my own house, a third of my attic has no insulation in it. All I have is the radiant barrier that's on the attic floor. And I got a 3,000 square foot house that I'm running a $200 a month electric bill. Wow. So you want me to screw that on the inside of the garage so that you end up with like a one inch or so air gap between Correct. the outside, outside uh, sheet metal and the back of the bubble wrap? Correct. Okay, got you. Mike, welcome to Texas. Thank you. Um, we just uh, lime-washed our brick house, and uh, we decided to do that because we thought it'd probably be better uh, as the lime tends to help strengthen the brick, and it's an older brick home. And 
it was cheaper, really. The cost of lime wash was a lot cheaper, and just everything I read about it seemed to indicate it, it'd probably be better for the brick than painting it and less expensive. So uh, it looks great, came out really good, but uh, I've got a question about caring for it now uh, with the lime wash on it. How long can we expect to get uh, a good look out of that, and uh, what do we need to do maintenance-wise? The biggest maintenance you're going to need to do is keep it clean. Uh, you can figure once a year to just do a light pressure washer on it. Nothing real heavy. you know. If you, The stronger the pressure washer, the further away you need to be from it. Because if you blast it too close, you're going to tear everything up. But beyond right. that, uh, he, you know, the lime will keep a lot of stuff from growing on it. But what what happens is the pollution gets into pores and stuff, and that's what will start the mold and mildew st to start growing again. So if you, as long as you keep it clean, it'll stay looking great for years. Oh, great, great to hear. Yeah, we're real happy with it. Good. Yeah, and, and, and okay. you know, it's, it's just a, a, a different different way of doing it. And, and uh, you won't, like I said, it's not one of those things that is real problematic as long as you keep it clean. Okay, good to know. Well, it's, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we did not lime wash the mortar between the brick, just the brick itself. And, okay. And, and, of course, there's some spots where we, it, it was a lighter lime wash it wasn't heavy in some spots so it would look a little more antique i guess so right. um yeah but uh but any any bit of lime and also i noticed there brick, bricks have, have a lot of real small cracks in them and so i tried to dab it into those cracks pretty heavy thinking it would help strengthen that is that uh, a good no, good it, idea it, it's not going to hurt anything but it, it won't strengthen the brick any those cracks are usually from when the brick is fired uh, and, and, you know, basically when it's baked. Uh, and yeah. So it's nothing to nothing to get concerned about. Okay. Well, good to know then. Thank you so much. You bet. Enjoy the home. Feek, is that, the, is that how you pronounce yes. it? How can I help you? Yes. Uh, uh, enjoy your show. Learn a lot from your show. Thank you. Uh, my question is uh, for my air, uh, two air conditioned units, and you know the part that's in your attic uh -huh. has uh, those little trays under it to catch any you know water that might uh, you know it generates. Uh, right, that's a second. And then it drains the water out. Yeah. So one of my units has seems to have a lot lot of more water than the other one. Okay. The other one is almost dry. I mean you. You know, barely any water, but but you can tell it's been working because you see a couple of uh, rust drops or something, you know. But on the right. other one, there's almost like a quarter inch of water every time I look at it. Okay. Your your primary drain is not working properly then, and you need to get an AC guy out there to, to check it because it, uh, what will happen is as the primary drain plugs then it goes into this secondary pan and that pan will over time rust out but there's no catching it in a third pan that's just your safety pan so when that one's getting water in it the ac guy needs to work on the primary drain to get it working right 
So, so these units generate water regardless. You, you oh, yeah. They're working properly or whatever. Uh, an but, AC unit but, will generate anywhere from is, though, 10 to 15 gallons a day out of a house. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so what you, you're thinking is that it's not draining out properly. Correct. That's why... Yeah, the primary drain is not working properly, and that's why you're getting it in the secondary. Okay. Okay, I'll check it out. Okie doke. Thank you very much. You bet. Santa Fe, Texas. How are you, Laura? Hi. I'm wanting your opinion on uh, getting a roof washed, and if it's a good idea, or does it really mess your shingles up? It, it, it doesn't really mess them up. They make cleaners now that uh, you can have put on to the shingles that uh, you know takes all that pollution and stuff off and and cleans it up and makes it look good uh so no it it's not going to hurt anything so do they use a pressure washer or how do they what do they actually use on it i haven't a, i've just seen it i haven't really had it uh talked to anybody about it yet it's a chemical they put on first and then yes they do use a very light pressure on it in order to to clean it off again but it's it's nothing real heavy that's that's going to be uh, tearing the roof up by any means. Okay, great. Well, thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. your help. Take care. Oh yes, uh, my name's Stephen. I'm doing all right. Yourself? I'm doing great. How can that's I help great. you? So about two weeks ago, I had a drain uh, just stop drain, and uh, I called plumbers all over the place. Coded fifty eight hundred, thirty two hundred. The guy's going. I eventually found a guy who was really really reasonable work with me. Dug down there, found the pipe. It's not broken at all. It slipped out of the joint because the foundation sunk an inch. And they dug a little deeper, and they found one of the piers that literally split in half at a 45-degree angle and shoved right down to the dirt. So it, it pier broke. Well, I called the foundation repair company because it's still under lifetime warranty, and they first thing he led with was any drainage problems avoids the warranty. He's like, that's not what happened. It was the foundation that came first, chicken or the egg. Right. right. So, and that's what popped it out of the joint. There's no cracks on any of the, the piping down there. It, it clearly came from that. So my problem is he's going to come out and inspect it. I'm going to let him do that. But I suspect he's going to try and void my warranty and not want to do it and all that junk. How do I get like an engineer in there? Or what, what do I need to do to have some paperwork back up to say this did come first? Well, first of all, make sure you take a lot of pictures before he gets in there and touches anything. Um, and okay. have And make sure that he documents uh, what he's going to do, because what he may try to do to you, and let me preface this by saying I'm in the foundation repair business, but there's a lot of okay. foundation repair that is just slime and trying to void warranties nowadays with these with these type of clauses and you know if if you clearly have you said it's it's sheared and, and pushed it down what what broke they, there's a, a pillar uh foundation pillar underneath this and it it shift i guess uh so we've had a lot of rain so i guess the, the soil shifted and that pillar broke and then in a 45-degree angle, so it, sl it slid, and the foundation dropped an inch. Okay. Okay, and so and then that, the piece that of broke that, off... The, the drain popped out. The it, piece of its, that uh, broke of off joint. pushed into the drain pipe? 
So the uh, I have pictures of it in a video too, but uh, the the drain pipe is literally an inch. Uh, the rest of my drainage works fine. Right. No problems. It's just that the tub drain specifically popped out of the joint because it was that corner of the house that that dropped. Okay. And it's it's nothing's broken. It's just popped out of the joint. Right. But did the pier push on the pipe? Is that what you're saying? When it broke. Uh, I don't think it pushed on. I don't know. Uh, actually, I'm not exactly sure. I just know that the, the pier is, like, broken. <laughs> okay. And uh, it it looks like the found, because the foundation dropped, it, it it came out. But maybe maybe it did. I'm not sure on okay. that part. Well, and, and, and I'm going to tell you why I'm trying to be this specific with you right now. If the foundation only moved an inch, it's not going to break the pipe. The The soil's moving can can even cause the, a joint to come apart like that. But if the pier was right there next to it, and if the pier broke and pushed a piece of concrete into the pipe, then yes, the pier, you can say, caused that pipe to separate. And that's, oh, that's, okay. what, that's, that's why I'm trying to be so specific with you. Uh, I mean, I move houses all the time, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, if, if we're only leveling an inch or two, chances of it doing anything to the plumbing is slim to none. When we get into three, four inches of movement, then you start talking about, hey, the pipes could break or pull apart, things like that. You get into four, five, six inches, I'm telling people it's going to pull a pipe apart. Okay. Uh, and so that's the reason I'm trying to be so specific. If that corner settled an inch and has to be adjusted, that necessarily didn't necessarily pull that pipe apart. But this is the clause that a lot of foundation companies have added to their contracts that say, if there's a leak, your warranty is voided. And that is, I can't say the word on the air, chicken, but... Uh, I say, I like the word slimy, but yeah. There you go. It is slimy as heck, because I can guarantee you every single house in the state of Texas will at some point or another have a pipe break. It's just in the nature... If you've got cast iron pipes, guaranteed you're going to have leaks. If you've got PVC, the way our soils move, even if the foundation doesn't move, the soils are still moving, putting pressure on those pipes, it will eventually break something. Not going to tear the whole system up, but it will. You have a strong potential that it eventually it's going to break something. And these clauses... Uh, it, it just aggravates the heck out of me. If you don't want to offer a lifetime warranty, quit putting it in the darn contract. Yeah. Well, then they wouldn't be competitive with uh, you know guys like Duest or Atlas or anything like that. But that's the problem is that they wouldn't be competitive, so they have this the slimy uh, the catchphrases, but all the slimy policies that go underneath it. Yes. That's, that that drives me nuts too. Yeah. Um, but that's that's going to be his argument that no nah, the. the you know, if the pier wasn't right next to it and caused the break, that's going to be their argument. So, um, it was right next to it, though. That's the okay. thing. So that's, I, I have a leg to stand on. If there's a piece of concrete that hit it, that's that's your leg to stand on. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. This email came from Joanna in Fairview. And we, I don't get this question a lot, but actually I see this a lot when I'm going out to different houses. 
She says, we have a vertical crack in a tall, rounded porch pillar. It opens and closes based on humidity and temperature. It has been caulked with various caulk products and Bondo. Nothing works. Someone suggested a good wood glue by Abitron, then ratchet straps, crack close until set and maybe air gun staples on a 45 degree angle, alternating across the crack. Hope you can help. Well, you're probably not going to like my answer. If you got a crack like that that's opening and closing with the moisture changes and such, if you fill it when it's open, the next time the wood expands, it doesn't have that gap to fill in, so it actually will crack somewhere else, and the whole cycle starts over again. So, I hate to tell you this, but there's not a good solution to what you've got going. Uh, normally, what starts this process is it wasn't painted well, and you're getting moisture into the wood, and once it gets started, it's extremely difficult to make it stop. Um, that's the reason it's really critical if you have columns and different things like that. Keep it all painted to keep the moisture out of it so you never get started into these cycles. So I don't know that the wood is going to work, uh, or I'm sorry, the glue is going to work. I would, if I was going to do anything with it, uh, I think you've been trying the type of stuff I would have done, and it would have been a... I wouldn't use Bondo to fill it. Uh, they make regular wood products for f filling cracks in wood, and that's what I'd be looking at using. Um, oh, plastic wood is one of the products that's coming to mind that I've actually used in the past. So you may want to take a look at something like that. This comes from Bill in Kaufman. And he's asking about painting stucco. My home was built in 1971. It's about 90% stucco. My question is two parts. One, how can I tell if the stucco has been painted before? Well, typically, if you've got any place where there's a little crack or anything in it, if there is material that stretches across in some areas, it's been painted. And I will tell you, most stuccos have been painted because they're designed to be painted. So the second part of his question, I've heard you should not paint stucco because it breathes. Is this a fact? Absolutely not. In fact, stucco should be painted. It is a mortar-type product, very porous. Moisture does go through it, and the paint seals it so moisture doesn't go through it. In fact, part of the normal routine of taking care of stucco is actually to paint it. Now they make a regular stucco paint that you want to use. Don't just put a regular household paint on it. So <clears throat> uh, you can go to like uh, Sherwin-Williams or one of those type stores, a regular paint store, and get the stucco paint. Uh, now he goes a little further. If it's been painted before, I guess I shouldn't be concerned with another coat. There are places where it needs some work, either paint or more stucco to cover the spots, some as large as a foot square, looking towards your, your for your answer. Well, first, let's make sure it's actually stucco, because 
the time frame of when this was built, they were using EFIS on a lot of stuff. But stucco was still very popular in 71. It was kind of from that point forward that they got into doing a lot of the EFIS stuff. Uh, if the stucco needs repair, do it before you paint it because when you paint it, it'll it'll cover it all up. Uh, and you don't want to just use the paint as the repair. Do the right repair first and then paint it. And again, what the paint's going to do is just seal it so moisture doesn't go into it. A a rule of thumb on stucco is it needs a fresh coat of paint. Oh, in some climates, depending on what you use to paint, it could be as little as five years, but pretty generally 15 years is about what you get and you reapply another coat of paint. But remember, this paint is, is made specifically for stucco. It has elasticity to it. And so when stucco does expand and contract and stuff it doesn't break the paint christy how can i help you hi um i have a question our garage is so extremely hot for about four or five months it's probably 120 degrees and i'm wondering if it's possible to install like a window unit we don't have windows in the garage but we do have glass blocks on one side of our house on Mm -hmm. one side of the garage and that's what my question is. I'm just wondering if that's doable or would that work or what your suggestion would be. It can be done, but I can tell you the the uh, HOAs and stuff in Lantana aren't going to let you do that. That's what I was wondering. I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, but what they make would you suggest portable. as a solution? Because it is, it, is, it is so brutal. We have a three-car garage, and it is mm-hmm. just brutal in there. Instead of looking at a window unit, if if you actually want to cool it down, uh, uh-huh. they make portable units that you can roll around the garage, and it's got okay. a flex hose that you can then use to, you know, because the way an air conditioner works is it's pulling cool air out and dispenses with the hot air. And okay. they make it where that hose can be just sent going outside through a window or through a door opening or whatever type opening it actually could go through like a dryer vent size opening and that would disperse the hot air out of the garage while dumping cool air into the garage but truthfully the first thing i would be looking at doing is radiant barriers and things like that in order to help with the temperature is your garage door facing west it's yes it's well it's facing morning sun okay i'm trying to think actually that might be no that might that's east. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah, I think our garage is faced. Yeah, because it's all morning sun. Okay. Well, okay. So it is getting the morning sun, the east? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Morning. Usually morning sun isn't as hot as the afternoon sun, but uh-huh. they make a bubble wrap type radiant barrier that you can put on the garage door on the inside. Uh-huh. And that will stop the direct heat that builds up on that garage door from coming into that garage space. That alone typically will help lower that temperature 5 to 10 degrees. Really? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> because the, the the garage doors are just horrible for, for heating up. Okay. Okay. And they're wood. I don't know if that makes a difference. They're the, you know, the cedar doors. Yeah. It, well, even though they're, they've got the cedar on them, they'll still, still transmit a, a large amount of, of heat okay. and if you go up to you know the lows just right there on 407 
Yeah. Uh, they actually have the, the bubble-type radiant barrier for doing that. Okay. What about when you were just talking about the air conditioner with the hose? Yeah. Would you have to Would you have to get a hole in your brick to do that? Because otherwise you'd have to have the garage doors open, right? If I'm well, and if you're opening correctly. the garage door, then, then the AC is not going to work at all. The, yeah, okay. So, okay. yeah, you, you either have to have a, a side door that you can have a, an opening in. You know, like even if you got a side door and have a, uh, say, a doggy door in it, yeah, you can stick we, that hose out that way. Unfortunately, we have no doors. That's the problem. So. Yeah, then then you would probably end up having to drill through and, and put, like an, a, a, put like a uh, a dryer, dryer vent, vent. Ex, excess that can hook up to it. Okay. And the, but those and units I'm make... talking about, that the Lowe's up there have has those as well. Okay. Okay. And then I'd have to get it approved, too. Nope. <laughs> oh, that I wouldn't have to get approved? Nope. That, well, that if you I can... Put a, if I put, like, a vent hole, that would probably be fine. In the yeah, nobody's going to ever nobody's gonna ever see that, and it doesn't show as anything. Okay. Uh, okay. You, can, you can paint that vent cover. If it's silver, you can paint it to match the brick and stuff where it doesn't show at all. Uh, Okay, great. Brendan, how are you? Jim, I'm doing great today. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And uh, here's my thing today. I had my hot, gas hot water heater replaced right around Thanksgiving, which is a separate story altogether. But So it's relatively new, I like to think it is. And I noticed yep. that the uh, I had to relight the pilot light um, a week ago. And so my question is, how often should I expect to have to do that, and or which, when should I be concerned if I keep having to relight it to have somebody come out and have a look at it? Um, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I wouldn't go overly concerned on having to do it once, but if you have to start doing it, you know, multiple times, no, it, it's time to get somebody out right away. Is it up in the attic or in the garage or what? It's in the it's in the garage, easily accessible, no okay. problem. So doing it is not a big deal. I just wanted to make sure it's should be operating the way it's, uh, it should be. Like I said, it's my first one ever, so that's why I had this question. Yeah, yeah. No, it it shouldn't, quite frankly, once they're lit, unless you have a gas go out or something like that, you should never have to mess with that pilot. Okay. All right. That's what I need to know. Jim, thanks very much. Appreciate it. I always listen to your shows there. It's always a good time. Thank you, sir. appreciate it. Jeff, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. And I just recently uh, purchased a brand-new home, nice farmhouse. It's 2,200 square feet, and it's got a three-ton AC unit on it. It's got an extra big garage. Now, it's, it's supposed to be so energy efficient, I'm not supposed to spend over $100 on electricity in a month. And my question is, would it be possible to have an HVAC guy come out and run a vent to the garage to AC the garage and heat the garage? Would a three-ton unit handle like an extra 200, 300 square feet? No. No? Okay. Uh, in fact, a garage really isn't insulated, and so uh-huh. uh, it, it wouldn't do you a good job. But what you're going to find is if you do that, you're going to throw the balance out on your current AC system, and uh-huh. you'll be you'll be actually paying a lot more in energy bills than than you need to. So if if you want to, uh-huh. yeah, if you want to do something with the garage, uh, these mini splits that we've been just talking about, yes, sir, ideal for a garage situation like that. 
How much do they usually run? Uh, is that a two-car garage or three or what you got? It, it's it's a it's more like a two and a half. It, it's extra big, okay. but it's for two cars. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you know you're looking at probably a, a well in a garage you're probably going to be looking at like a ton and a half size system. So. Um, By the time you get it installed and everything, you're going to be somewhere thirty five hundred to five thousand probably. Okay. But then you got a system that's built right for doing the garage. Now your other choice is to look at you know a portable that you can move around or a window unit, something like that. But definitely yeah. don't take it from the from the house because that'll just mess up the rest of the system. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to tell me that, and I've heard you talk about. To other people where you'll say you know they, they're like well i want to cool it even better let me get a bigger system and you're like no you can't jump up because you're going to put no. all that condensation in your lines so or in your vent yeah well and, qu- and quite frankly 2200 square foot with a three ton unit three tons sounds yeah. a little bit light for 2200 already so uh I, I don't think you're gonna have the tonnage yeah. to spare i had a feeling um so now they're they're doing these new portable ones that I know I've, I'm sure you've seen them where they they take instead of having it in the window like a window unit they have a, a like a vent line that runs to the window. Um, right, and, that's and what I was saying. You could get a portable like that and and uh-huh. just roll that around in the garage. Yeah, I'm just trying to cool down my six foot two, two hundred sixty pound son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put him out there. That's going to be his office out there. Ah. Well, the first thing you're going to want to do is either look at insulating those walls and stuff in there or uh-huh. at least a radiant barrier. And okay. as far as those portable units, I mean, you're talking just several hundred dollars to get one of those, uh, and it will cool it for you. Okay. Well, maybe that's what I'll do, and then I'll work my way up, because I'm not planning on selling it for another 15 years. and when I retire. Well, you so. know, if he if, if he's going to be officing out of there, you charge him rent, and, and that's what you use to get an AC. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> All right. All right. Take it you, easy. Sir. I really appreciate it. I know this number. Hello, Adam. Hey, Dad. How's it going? All right. What's up? So I was actually wanting to expand on the conversation we were having this morning uh-huh. about house refinancing, and you told me how... Typically, it depends more square footage of the house and things, not worrying about remodeling the kitchen and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and then me and Valerie were working on some things around the house, and I remembered that sunroom I have on the back of the house did not count on the square footage last time because it's not air-conditioned. Yep. I didn't know what it would take to get it to count on something like that. Would it be as simple as a window unit, or would I need to do like a mini split or something? Or well, you know, I, I guess some appraisers would probably take it with with a, a window unit. But if you put a mini split in there, that's a true mm-hmm. air conditioning system. Uh, yeah. Yes, that would count as air conditioned space then, and would definitely add to the value. Yeah, and it, it, let me let me fill everybody else in and what we were talking about. Adam is uh, got a house. He's talking about refinancing, and my recommendation to him was do it sooner than later. In in looking at everything, and in, in my opinion, 
interest rates are going to start going up. I don't think we're too far away, but more so than that, I think real estate is getting ready to peak. We're pretty much hitting peak right now, and as these uh, uh, restrictions on foreclosures and evictions and stuff like that are starting to die off, which they're supposed to at the end of July, I, and I really don't see a reason why they should be extended again, we're going to start seeing real estate pricing start to actually probably go down just a little bit. I don't think we'll go back down to pre-pandemic levels, but I think it's going to drop down just a little bit at the very worst, you know, drop down some. Uh, at the very best, it'll just stabilize and, and stay somewhat flat. But I, I really believe it's going to go down some because there's too much penned up foreclosures that are going to start happening. Uh, and especially like Houston area, I think we're going to see there's still a ton of houses that have not been redone that flooded. Well, they haven't been foreclosed on yet either. Those are going to start hitting the market. So investors are going to have stuff to be buying. In the Dallas, you know, the North Texas area, uh, we're going to see that the foreclosures and stuff are going to start putting inventory back onto the streets that we haven't had. Uh, because people who haven't been making payments are now going to have to start catching up. They're not going to be able to do it, so it's going to be, well, let's just sell it instead. The gravy train is over, and that's going to start affecting interest rates. So that's the reason I was saying if somebody's going to refinance, right now is the time to be looking at it before prices start to adjust a little bit. So, And in his case... Uh, we're looking at doing a kitchen remodel. He's wanting to remodel the kitchen, and you will actually be seeing that because we'll be filming that and using it on Texas Home Improvement, our the TV show. But uh, you know, the, the issue is, is that going to add to the value of the home? And yes, it will add value for resale. But as far as a, an appraiser goes. It, uh, doing the remodel on the kitchen isn't going to add all that much at this time because he's already got cabinets and countertops and all that stuff there. And so, yeah, you remodel a kitchen because you want to upgrade it and make it your own. If that stuff is in really bad shape, yes, it can add. But where it really adds is bringing in buyers, people willing to buy the place. Uh, it, the appraisers are typically going by condition, yes, but square footage. It's so much per square footage. Now, granite countertops, yes, are going to be worth more than, say, Formica countertops, but not enough that it justifies the cost if that's your only sole reason for doing it. So that's the reason I told them, if you're going to refinance, do it before we do the remodel simply because of timing. And timing right now, we we are in a unique time frame Timing is going to be everything on real estate right now. Now, Steve had called at the end of the show there and uh, was asking about, you know, talk about contractors and pulling permits and things like that. And I, I do actually do that periodically, but this is a, a good time to bring that subject up. If a contractor is not willing to pull a permit for the job, or ask you to go pull a permit. You need a different contractor. And here's why. If you pull a permit for the job, you're not only taking responsibility for just going to pull that permit so work can be done. 
you're taking responsibility for the work that's being done. You're also taking responsibility for everybody who works on the job. Uh, you've got nobody to fall back on. And quite frankly, you're not carrying the insurance to do all that. The contractor should be pulling the permit. And if he's not pulling the permit, there's typically a reason. And especially here in the North Texas area, there's certain cities who have insurance requirements and different things like that. And if the contractor can't pull a permit because of those, do you really want them working on your home? Because, like I said, now you're taking on those responsibilities. And as a homeowner, yes, you are able to go pull a permit to do the work on your home without those same restrictions. But unless you're going to do the work yourself, I really wouldn't recommend that. And if the contractor doesn't pull permits, what else are they shortcutting? You know, one of the reasons you get permits pulled is it's to assure that everything meets minimum standards. Now, does that mean that's what you want done is just minimum? No, but it does make sure that at least minimum standards are met on different things. And uh, I'm, I'm going to use the, the, the lady who called from Louisiana about the AC question in the last hour. Uh, now, that house was built 10 years ago, and it has too large of an air conditioning system. One of the standards, minimum standards, now that is supposed to be met when new construction is being done and or when a air conditioning system is being replaced is you got to run it through the programs and verify the size of the AC system that's required so that you don't run into the situation like she has where the AC is oversized and it doesn't dehumidify like it should. There are reasons for pulling permits. Insurance is, is one of the big ones. And quite frankly, if you're hiring contractors who don't carry insurance, you probably need to find another contractor. I understand companies who have an office, permits, insurance, and all these things cost more than the bootleg guys do. And that's because they can do the job right and make sure that they can cover it if something does go wrong. And that is the big difference between a bootleg contractor and these guys who actually do it right on permits and everything. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 